I'm a libertarian. What I'm getting is, Did why? you vote for Joe Jorgensen or Trump? Who? <laughs> Joe Jorgensen? That was the perfect answer. Thank you. And welcome, everybody, to the Libertarian Podcast Review Podcast. We are here to review your liberty-leaning podcast, critique them unnecessarily, and help you find that autistic star you just maybe didn't know you needed to hear from. We'll compile and give you a heads up on all these liberty influencers in the liberty movement, your hub for everything libertarian podcast related, just as far as I see it. I am Tyler Yonke, and this is episode 10. Today, we are going to review the Free Man Beyond the Wall podcast. Pete Quinones, he's had more names than Meta World Peace, Ron Artest, Meta Sanford Artest. He is the uh, John Mellencamp of the Liberty Movement podcast world. He's gone through a few different names. We're going to talk about that. He's been in the game for a while. He does a lot of stuff. I think some of his podcasts are super interesting, and we will let you know, should this be a person that you have in your podcast feed, and it is someone you can share with normies. We'll break this down and go through it. I just thought we'd also start today. Um, there's a little brewing controversy going on out there. Libertarians are, this is, uh, what's today? The 30th of April, uh, March. And uh, libertarians are trending online. This is, I thought it was interesting. The Libertarian Party of Kentucky posted up, are vaccine passports going to be yellow shaped like a star and sewn in on our clothes? Right, this was kind of, as a talk Nazi. Nazi uh, comparison here. Uh, Seth Rogen joined in and said, F, uh, fuck off, fuck right off with this shit. Liberty Lockdown, who we've had on our show, he, he came back with this all day debate you on any topic, anytime live on air, zero prep and ruin your career. Seth goes back and forth. He says, aha, you seem cool. To which um, uh, the, the Tower Gang joined in, but uh, Liberty Lockdown said, yes, you are correct. I am cool. So anyway, I thought we'd um, maybe take a look at the... Pete Quinones. Okay. Start off. He's first he's Mance Raider, then he's Pete Raymond, then he's Pete Quinones. Who is this guy? Well, um, we're gonna take a look and, and listen to some of his stuff, but first we're gonna talk a little bit about his his show and kind of the the thing. This is what Pete says about himself. Um, Pete Quinones' core philosophy is that all humans' interactions should be voluntary, period. Any and all coerced or forced interactions are logically and morally without mandate. Quote, if I do not have the right to demand 30% of my neighbor's labor, I can in no way logically or morally pass that right on to some other man or organization. Pete Quinones, July 17, uh, July 2017, and, and that is July 2017 is when he started his podcast. We're going to go over some of this. So, you know, first we're going to break down just a little bit of the backwards or the backside of the podcast themselves. Just some of the stuff that you have, you know, hey, what's it like? Does he have ads? Does he have a Patreon What's his quality like? And we'll take a, a deep dive uh, from there. And then we'll go in and we'll play some clips of his show and give you a, an understanding of that. Um, topics. Uh, what are they? Uh, well, they're mostly libertarian. I was just read to you about the Pete thing. Uh, the libertarian. Is he a libertarian himself? Yes. He'd probably consider himself an ANCAP. And if you go and listen to his product you're in his extensive library, you'll see that he's kind of waffled back and forth between being in the uh, libertarian movement, kind of out of it, the agorism. Uh, hardcore ANCAP. What is he now? I don't know. I'd like to actually talk to Pete and let you know. Um, does he have guests? Yes, he has a wide range of guests, well-known guests. Uh, he didn't start until about the 20th episode or so. It started having guests on. It was mostly ranting before that. Um, his podcast early on were about 15 minutes of length. And by the way, on his Libsyn, and we'll link to that in the show notes here, you will be able to go back and actually listen to podcast number one, which we're going to pay a clip of here as well. 
uh, frequency. He often posts these out. I uh, started out just doing them on once a week. And then from then on, he's now done them. Um, he does them almost every day. So he's, he's really progressed and moved up his timeline. Okay, let's talk about the Free Man Beyond the Wall podcast. 556 episodes in the books. This is a podcast varying interest uh, in his library. It's I mean, he talks to some communists. He talks to ANCAPs. He talks to normies. talks to... And he started out by actually his first episode was really going against the police. As a matter of fact, just today, he posted, he has a Substack. He did, and he posted out once again, kind of reiterating the very first episode he ever had. He mentions the case of Warren v. District of Columbia. And in his Substack, we'll link to that as well. He does a breakdown of that. Uh, Castle Rock v. Gonzalez is another horrifying case. If you ever want to know about the police there to protect and serve, no, they are not. Constitution has, uh, the, the Supreme Court has actually come down and ruled on that. So that's actually not a, a thing that they are, you know, and you see that there's some, uh, I live here in Northern California, some of the police cars actually says on the side to protect and serve. And that is not their constitutional duty as far as what the Supreme Court has determined. So a little bit of a lie, but point is Pete, um, Pete breaks that down and he, he, gives a little bit of an understanding of that. So I, I would actually uh, go check that as well. So episode one, it was called When Police Are Around, Do You Feel Safer? Do You Feel Paranoid? He actually talked about that. Um, like I said, he mentioned the, the case. He said his first episode was kind of inspired from uh, the Philandro Castillo shooting, getting shot by the police. Um, it also breaks down there. Peter's from the Bronx. He's a Yankees fan, so I at least have something in common with him. And like I said, those early episodes are around 15 minutes. All right, well, let's take a look and talk about what he has done elsewhere. So Pete has also done movies, did a documentary, Stateless Productions. And with that, I thought we'd maybe play a little clip. He did a first documentary called The, um, the Monopoly on Violence. And with that, it was a, an astounding piece of work. He his podcast allowed him to get a bunch of these really deep thinkers to be able to come on the podcast. This whole sphere allowed him to bring those people in and to access extraordinary thinkers, paving this way for this, what I would say is amazing documentary. And it gives a breakdown of uh, anarchy kind of from start to finish uh, working its way through. And so I thought if you go to Stateless Productions, he's coming up with a new film actually about police, uh, which he said is going to be a little bit more down the middle of the road and give you all these different feelings and options, uh, different directions. So you can still go there and participate. But how about we play the uh, trailer for the Monopoly on Violence? We take the history of mankind as a day. The state comes into being at about 1130 at night and it becomes hegemonic at 1145 or 1150. People don't like politicians. They don't. They, people know who they are. We can actually be morally consistent. You don't have to live in this world where you pick which criminal you think is going to be slightly better than the other one. The state of warfare allows the state to justify a lot of infringements on personal and community liberty. America uses jihadi, Saudi-backed, Sunni, suicide bomber, terrorists for American imperial ends. If a larger number of people want to do something that would otherwise be morally wrong, does it become morally permissible? Instead of saying, why don't we work on an arrangement where people who think one way can just live according to those ideas, and people who think another way can live that way? We feel like we have to win and triumph over our enemies. There has to be one way to think that dominates the entire country. You need some mechanism such that when I take an action, I bear most of the net loss. And on the market, that's mostly true, but not perfectly true. But on the political market, it's almost never true. Things that call into question the existence of our foreign governance, borders, police, prisons, what the states keep out of history textbooks are the things that call into question the existence of the states themselves. 
a genuine open market relies on the contributions and the insights of the whole community. Anarchist does not mean you want chaos. That just means I want to be responsible for myself. I don't want to master. The Monopoly on Violence.com. So if you check that uh, video out, at least the trailer, and actually you watch it, it's in entirety. It's on, um, well, you can find it on YouTube, but it's been, uh, and it's also been posted on uh, Amazon now. I mean, Maj Torre, uh, Bob, uh, what's his name there? <laughs> Bob Murphy, sorry, uh, Tom Woods, Dave Smith, uh, Horton, Scott Horton, Larkin Rose, uh, Thaddeus Russell, tons of people, uh, not to mention David Friedman, uh, it's in there. So anyway, a really good uh, panoply of people to check out. So his new video, or his new one that they're going to work on, is called America's Police Crisis. Let's just check out the, the trailer for that one. And Nearly every American has been impacted by policing at some point in their life, and most believe the changes are desperately needed. We got pulled over for a busted tail light in the back. And the police just killed my boyfriend. Oh, that's me, friend. I told to get his head out. And I don't know where the gun was. He didn't tell me where the gun was. And then it was just getting hanky. He gave. He was just staring straight ahead. And I was getting nervous. What role have police played in America's history? What role should they play in America's future? Normal humans, we kind of, we, we live between the lines, kind of in here. When you're on the job as a police officer, you've got to live in this state of hypervigilance. And you stay up there. What does it mean for a police department to have, you know, armored vehicles and tanks at their disposal? There's a mentality problem that when that you're using war equipment, when you're dressing like soldiers, when you're trained like soldiers, when cops are told, you know, on a daily basis that they're fighting a war, that's a dangerous thing because soldiers have a, a very specific mission and that's to annihilate a foreign enemy. Crime is not Democrat or Republican. It doesn't matter whether or not they're the victims of society. We must take back the streets. The deterioration in police conduct and the militarization of local police forces, quite simply and quite predictably, mirrors the rise of the total state itself. Legislative and police reforms have fallen short. What can we do to solve America's police crisis? Crowdfunding. So you can go check that out and be a part of it if you would like. So I just thought I'd give you a little breakdown of what Pete's been involved in uh, beyond just what he's doing with the podcast. Uh, but let's get back to the podcast. Okay, I'm going to break down some of these technical parts talk about put the, and see what I did. And then we'll, we'll play some clips. Like I said, okay. Uh, intro. Well, so he's got a regular intro I and mean, you go back to this, Pete just, he, he has an interview. And so if you're a Patreon subscriber and we'll get into this, he kind of cuts out the intro, but he introduces kind of what the show is going to be about a little bit, you know, maybe a minute and minute and a half there, and then goes right into it. So this is helpful for you to understand a kind of interest of the podcast itself as far as you know if you don't know who the guest is sometimes you start you're like eh, it's not really interesting you listen to a little bit intro and you go, oh uh, maybe i'm interested in that uh music so his first few episodes um no, episode one he did not have any music episode two he started to use some different music i don't know if he uh had purchased that but if you're a deep fan of his you'll recognize that um pete actually wrote produced sang i think it was episodes three to seven or so he started to put his own music on there but he had been in a band and so you'll recognize that from there then it's progressed to some other stuff some kind of metal stuff and now lately it's uh, you know and, and honestly I, I listen to everything off the patreon side so i get the early feeds 
I don't actually hear the intro. So, but he does have some intro music there. Uh, like I said, uh, the regular feed has that. The Patreon one does not. Production. Now, is it self-produced? I tend to think it is. I mean, it started out the early stuff kind of on the, he's learning along the way, maybe just recording directly into the computer. Um, lately, though, you see that that's uh, changed the sound quality. It wasn't so great to begin with. Although now you can see he has the SM7B mic uh, when he does video or when he's on someone else's podcast. And you can tell the production is uh, top quality over there. I tend to think that um, Pete is doing his own work, his own editing. He does straight out. I mean, there's nothing that's really like, uh, you know, like you see clips and stuff of, uh, of different podcasts, like this one, for example. I'm actually streaming this on live on uh, uh, through Twitter right now and onto YouTube. So it makes it for me, it's much easier than I take the edit. The, the, edit, uh, the audio part and I put it in and then we upload to Anchor and wherever our podcasts are. I think Pete is doing somewhat similar on that regards. So um, as far as that, I, you don't really, have, Tom Woods as an example, uses a production company and they do the editing and it's always top quality. Pete's up there though and he's been up there for quite some time. Now, ads, does he have ads? No, he has a, a I haven't heard Pete do any ads. Um, he does all everything through with Patreon. Um, his Patreon, he has did multiple tiers with that. He has a private group for that as well. There's a Telegram, there's a Discord. Uh, he's on all these different platforms, except for Twitter. He gets kicked off of Twitter way too often, so he's not on there. Timeliness of his topics, he's always on point as far as, you know, when you do put in out five uh, a week or so, you know, almost every day, you're going to be talking and ranting about the current things that are have. You're going to be going and bringing in interviews of people that are discussing, you know, Vin Armani has been a big one on him lately, um, kind of talking about crypto stuff and, you know, moving away to Saipan because of COVID. You know, those things are obviously inundating our lives with it. So he does have timeliness of that. Yet he has think pieces talking to, you know, philosophical people. Uh, so, you know, he gives a, a great breakdown of that. Now, the outro, what does he have with that? He just signs off. Pete just signs off. He's simple, says bye, and that's where you have. Now, what I like about a podcast are the tangibles, right? You see these uh, NPR types, you know, they're overly produced. You probably have 20 different people working on a podcast, whereas Pete, in, you know, like myself, we just do it, you know, ourselves. And there's a, a difference there. So what makes it, so when you're not overproducing these shows, what makes, what are these tangibles? Well, for me, it's sometimes it's the host, right? The ability to interview. Well, Pete has become a great interviewer. We'll play some clips uh, early on, and you can tell he's he's really taken it up a notch from there. But you know, that's all a learning process. I mean, you don't just get behind the mic, you know, and instantly have it down. Well, maybe you do. That's an extreme talent, but um, that's not always the case. So currently, Pete is a great interview. How about his ability to riff and give his opinions? Well. Certainly, I don't believe Pete's show is scripted in any sense. Uh, maybe his early ones where he was ranting about some things, but he almost always has a guest, and it's hard to script issues with a guest. Now, sometimes when I'll have someone come on, uh, I have a cycling podcast, an example, you know, almost 300 episodes there, but even when I had um, Clint of Liberty Lockdown on here, you know, you don't script those out. You just, uh, just maybe a thing so I don't forget to bring up a topic. That's really the way to go about it. And um, Pete just has conversations and conversations are often the best types of interviews. Okay. Um, how about his research host staff? I think Pete's just an army of one, a social, solo entity. He's on his own. He probably does all his own research. You can tell because when he's able to, you know, someone brings up a topic, he's able to discuss it. And um, that usually means that, you know, you don't have an assistant handing you stuff there. Plus he talks about having a, a job of his own. His ease of speaking or is he using a script? Well, 
his early episodes, he might have had some notes. Uh, definitely just a little different tinge to those. Plus, he's ranting about things. So, and, and I say ranting in a positive way. Um, when you hear Pete talk, it may sound like just rant, but uh, there's a lot of philosophical understanding there. There's a lot of background and, and content to it. So, solo episode, I just call that a rant, uh, is maybe somewhat scripted but like i said he's really moved into the realm of almost always having an interview and there's more than enough people out there in the sphere to um, bring you on early episodes like i said you can tell a difference of those uh, but by episode 12 he started to pick up the pace and you can see a difference in in his his talking he was at a short um, span of a learning curve and he hit it uh, running so my overall impressions well there's a reason why his podcast has almost 600 episodes and probably still growing why he was able to do the stateless productions and have the uh, monopoly on violence why he's been able to be on all the biggest liberty podcasts why he gets all those big hosts to come on to his one libertarian world clint talked about it when he was down here and he actually on dave too seems like a big deal to us some of these big stars in this world but in reality they're just little fish in a big pond uh, but we're swimming all together. So they seem like a big deal to us. So, but Pete gets all those big names on there. And uh, then not only does he get the big names, but I think he then, he at least impresses me with his ability to have conversations, push back and, uh, you know, guide the direction uh, of the podcast. So it's been interesting. It's uh, overall impression obviously is something that I've enjoyed. Uh, I will say, and I, I mentioned this uh, when we had Clint on the show, only one guest, that's why I mentioned him a few times. <laughs> um, is that my first introduction to Pete was I listened to Jason Stapleton. And when I was listening to Jason Stapleton, he was talking about this low level, someone nipping at his feet and, you know, an annoyance. So, and it was on Twitter. So I ended up going and I was like, oh, you know, when you talk about that and you don't bring the person's name up, then you start to say, cause he wouldn't mention him by name. He just kept saying this person. And, um, then that's when I go, oh, well maybe now I want to know. So then I went and researched, found him. Oh, he has a podcast. So I listened to it and, you know, sorry, Jason, I, I made a change. So uh, libertarian scale, is he left wing, minarchist, and cap? Uh, and if you don't know the definitions of those, maybe you can make a comment and I will update you on what I think. Or you can go back to uh, my initial episode, uh, episode one, where I kind of give a breakdown of those as well. He's definitely more on the ANCAP side. I think he's waffled between being an anarcho-capitalist, an agorist, back to an anarchist. But um, libertarian, liberty, and he said he came from the right-wing style. Um, and, and actually, we'll play a little bit of his, I think it was episode seven. He did a good breakdown of his actual personal life, kind of how he got to the liberty movement. All right, these next two topics are ones that I'm, uh, I think they, they, they kind of break down the show of like, well, the, the two topics are shareable with normies and conspiracy theory content. Okay. So to me, these are kind of the toughest categories regarding the show. Cause I think Pete kind of waffles from time, at least my mind he, of how I would think of him as yes, he's great introduction to libertarians. And then sometimes I swing wildly to the, uh, no, he's not <laughs> at all good for an introduction to Liberty, but truly, I, I don't know. I I'm, I'm kind of not sure. I think that those who introduce Pete should be, uh, should, you should maybe think about those people first about who that specific person is. Uh, before you maybe send him that, because he's a bit, he can be, I want to say harsh, but man, when I was first listening to him, but I, I, I don't know, maybe I'm different. And that's what you always think about things is uh, my ability to kind of disassociate for certain things. Like I really like some of the topics he was talking about and some I wasn't ready for, but I've moved towards those directions. So he's obviously swayed me and help of others. 
Um, he, look, he, he, he did sway me on positions such as the state, uh, police, foreign wars. Those are big ones. I love Pete's take on many issues, but they're not always easy when you first are listening to them. So I suppose that perhaps the best idea is just to throw your normie, a, fr a friend, the, the podcast and see if something sticks or not. I mean, if that person's not really willing to engage with it, maybe that's not the person for it's Maybe just an, an analyze that person specifically. Would I introduce this show to my wife? Uh, definitely. Have I? Yes. Uh, certain topics. And then, you know, like that, they kind of gravitate towards it. The next one with that is conspiracy theory content. I think some of the conspiracy theories uh, that you get on different podcasts can really shake uh, a new person to the liberty movement. You know, this this thing is thought of as um, this being the liberty movement. Sometimes it's thought of as, you know, the, the dope smoking naked guy on stage and uh, believe in all kinds of conspiracy theories. Um, Thing, he's an anti-Q. Um, he's come out on different things. You know, the, the, the Twin Towers going down. I'm not really exactly sure what he thinks about that. I think he thinks something is going on. I don't know exactly. Uh, but I found that uh, Pete likes to bring up these topics that really interest me and that there's some conspiracy stuff behind it. But he takes a little bit different twist. It's not the typical um, not using your brain type of conspiracy theory follow. It's a different thought on it. And typically, I mean, my thing is it's not a conspiracy that the state is usually at fault. And if you want to blame them and be part of that, I understand. So Pete does not go down necessarily the Q side. Like I said, he's, he's ripped on them. And for that, he does give me uh, hope and um, uh, gives me a lot of respect. Uh, I give him a lot of respect for that. Okay, let's go to some highlights then. And we can actually break through and start playing some of these clips from episode, start with episode one. It was called The Police. So what's... The problem. We'll just start right from the beginning so you get a little bit of an idea of what Pete was uh, doing on his first episode. Welcome, everyone. I want to thank you for tuning in to the very first podcast of The Free Man Beyond the Wall. This is your host, Mance Rader, and I just wanted to go over a couple things with you today. This one's going to be short. I'm going to try and keep these short because I know that people don't have a lot of time. A lot of times you're just listening to this in your car. And sometimes that's only 15 or 20 minutes. So that's what I want to keep it at. Today, I specifically want to talk about police because yesterday we had the Philando Castile verdict come down and a lot of people are either upset or are defending the police. I just want to give you my view as somebody who's dealt with the police before, somebody who grew up in a place where there's a huge police presence and somebody who lives in a place now where I actually know a lot of police and I know what they're up to. I know what they believe, what they're taught. Of course, I don't do the job. I can only go by what they've told me. All right. We'll just give you a teeny, teeny taste of episode one, the police. So what's the problem? Like I said, today, Pete posts out on a Substack an issue about same idea, um, uh, about the DC case, uh, Castle Rock v. Gar um, uh, Garcia, and it's, um, it's, it's good stuff. So my point is, you listen to episode one, it's a little shaky on some of the quality, but and, and it's actually his, his speech pattern and tone and his uh, pace of, of speak changes. And so we're going to go to a next one. Uh, I'm going to next episode I'm going to look at is episode seven. This is where he breaks down kind of his life um, and education being from New York, uh, going to church in 2000s, kind of getting pushed into the GOP. 9-11 happens. He says he doesn't really want to talk about that much there. 
I don't know, uh, really, Pete, once again, what your issue is on uh, who brought down the towers. Are you a truther or not? We're not really going to be too concerned with that. But um, I thought we'd play one little um, portion of the episode here. I think people I think people are seeing it. I think people are seeing that um, this system cannot be changed. It, this system has to be either starved or eradicated. I just wanted to give some information about myself. A bunch of you know, a bunch of you I've interacted with on Twitter, and I really can't get to know anybody doing doing that. I mean, you can only get to know so much. But I wanted um, you guys to hear a little bit about me. I'm not going to stop doing this. I feel um, I feel it's too important. I wish more people would start doing podcasts and start talking about just how dangerous government is and how dangerous the real well he got his wish because uh, more people are doing podcasts and they are talking about that and the whole liberty movement you know you've seen this with uh, coverdale uh clint of liberty lockdown there's podcasts going everywhere and pete part of this this issue of, of bringing these people to the fore and i will say one and i've, I've said this a, a few times pete Dave Smith, many of these guys, they're not into it for uh, if you're coming along and maybe you're getting some publicity and you're start, your show's starting to break out. They don't uh, ignore that. They bring you on as a host. They kind of pump you up. And I, I love that as far as their concern is uh, if I got to be better, then I'm going to if it's going to really be a competition, I'm going to do better and I'm going to compete with these guys on and I'm not going to ignore them or rip them apart unless they need to. And by the way, Pete is, has no trouble and taking on people. Okay, so episode 20, he had his first interview. He had been doing a lot of ranting, single shows from there. Uh, interview with a former police officer and current voluntarist anarchist, Rayford Davis. Let's give a few minutes of that. Voluntarism before or after, or after he left the, uh, the police force. But um, I'm gonna ask Rayford right now, um, six, six years as a police officer, he got injured, you left. What more would you like to add to the bio so that people know you know what it's all about up front yeah uh, uh, yeah well first uh thank you for uh speaking with me and so you know i started off as a police officer uh and and just kind of my background you know constitutional compassionate conservative uh and it started off with that as a police officer did six years with the city of north charleston in south carolina uh uh, 300 man police force was a city of 800 about 80,000 you know and our main mission is uh, was get guns and drugs off the streets uh, I spent four years on patrol two years in detective division yeah I, w I was injured uh, I was directing traffic got hit by a truck and broke my leg and and that uh, so I was you know forced out uh, you know on a disability uh, but you know I was uh, really disillusioned Disillusioned. Okay, so a good little clip there of the, the guy. Uh, first interview. Uh, next one he had an uh, interview was two uh, episodes, I think, later. Everyone should know him. It's Scott Horton. He and uh, Pete, well, he goes by Mance Raider back then, had a discussion, and um, Pete fanboys out on him just a little Scott. bit from the beginning. All right, I'm here with Scott Horton. How you doing, Scott? I'm doing great. Thanks very much for having me. No problem at all. I just want to start this out um, fanboying a little bit. A few of us were going back and forth on Twitter about who we admired in the liberty movement, and my statement was that if I could do my do what I do as well as Scott Horton does what he does, I'd be happy. I'd be I'd be very satisfied. So I welcome you. Thank you. 
Well, I'll go ahead and say you're one of my favorite Twitter accounts to follow. <laughs> I uh, I really love your stuff, man. Your memes and all of this stuff. I I guess you know I retweet you pretty much every day or whatever. So and so likewise, good to know you. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Um, so very rarely does do I ever hear anybody ask you questions like you know how old you were when you became a libertarian, how you became a libertarian. Do you have a short little story about that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I don't really have a, a thing I say, but, um, more or less, I guess I've always been a libertarian. I like to give credit to George Carlin because, um, I saw Jammin' in New York when I was, I think, 14, and that's the one where the whole first part is about the Gulf War, and then the last part is all about Earth Day and whatever, and, and basically it was just a great kind of inoculation against the idea that I really ever had to choose the left or the right, that I had to identify with either. So I never really did. And then uh, when I was a teenager, you know, um, I guess part public enemy, part John Birch, part Bill Hicks, uh, lots of Star Wars. And I read a lot of Founding Fathers stuff, you know, um, in – in uh, high school and junior college, I read a lot of Thomas Jefferson and all of that kind of thing. And and then um, around the time that the the Iraq War started, I finally got serious about getting the internet, and that's when I started reading about Murray Rothbard. And before that, I was like a creature from Jekyll Island, G. Edward Griffin guy, and I just had never really noticed all those footnotes that Professor Rothbard tells us, et cetera, et cetera. So. Once I, I really got to, I guess, 2002 and three, then I was all about LeeRockwell.com and Antiwar.com and, and learning all of that stuff. And then, of course, war is the biggest big government program of all. It's the worst one. I have a bit of a comparative advantage, I guess, in being able to kind of memorize the different lies from the different times and try to be able to compare and contrast them. So I guess I figured that's the thing that, I'm able to understand that most people without much experience really can't. And I, I try, I know I talk way too much on my interviews when I'm supposed to be asking questions, but I'm, what I'm trying to do basically is get everybody up to speed with me for each question so that we can develop the plot a little bit further. And I know. And that's what we'll stop there. Look, and that's one of the things I've noticed about Scott. Scott comes on a show. I ask him a question and he just goes and goes and goes. I think Scott has changed somewhat as uh, has Mance, Pete, um, Pete, Pete Quinones, uh since then. Um, just a little different in there. Now, if you ever listen to Scott Horton's, his own interview show, that's why I think he is the best because he does some talking, but he doesn't just like take over the whole show. And, and, you know, sometimes I wonder when I've heard some of the interviews with Scott by Pete, I think Pete just like pushes go, pushes record, goes in the other room. And then comes back and then pushes end and that's the show because Scott can just talk and talk and talk. Uh, it's Scott's own and we'll talk about his show at a different time. But Scott's own podcast is a little bit different because he has to have his interviews, you know, the guest talk, and so you get just a shorter bit of Scott and he's trying to condense things down and it's it's maybe a little bit more brilliant. Anyway, this was a good one. This is obviously their first introduction to each other. Now Pete works for the Libertarian Institute as well. Uh, Scott's on the show a lot, and it was interesting that uh, Scott Horton, who evidently has an issue with or blocked or had a spat with Michael Malice on Twitter, who was maybe too much for him, um, Pete, Pete was just fine. And yet Pete, <laughs> he's the one that's been nuked from Twitter uh, possibly more than anybody else. So that was episode 22. We're not going to go through all these episodes. I just thought we'd pick out a few of them. Uh, next one here is special guest Vin Armani, talks liberty and cryptocurrency. And I thought he had a very 
interesting comment here back in 2017 about uh, the libertarians. Here's Vin. Hey, Vin, how you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Cool, man. Cool, man. Let's let's just start talking. Um, okay. What I think you you consider yourself to be you an ANCAP and a narco capitalist and anarchist right now. Mm, I probably would not consider myself to be an anarcho capitalist. I don't I mean yes, yes, I, I, I do think that the vast majority of the, the things that someone who calls themselves an anarcho capitalist would agree with, uh, I also agree with, but to label myself as an anarcho capital I, I first off I think that it's a very dangerous label for and you know, this is say this is a prediction, but I think that it's going to become a very dangerous label for people to have. And I think that it's especially now they're they're starting in on the quote unquote libertarians and they're trying to associate that with being far right. And I see that they're attaching themselves to the colors as well. Southern Poverty Law Center had something. Uh, I, I'm forgetting which particular group they were talking about, but it was definitely the black and yellow on the flag, um, you know, the the sort of. Uh, the libertarians, the, the libertarians who are not real libertarians, the like Hoppy and Snake meme guys, like those those guys, I think have ruined it for people. So, I'm trying to not call myself an anarcho-capitalist. I agree with the vast majority of. Okay, so the, the interesting part there to me is if you think about it, I mean, it just was after what storming the castle. Uh, Brennan comes out and calls you know libertarians as uh, domestic terrorists. Interesting. Vinarmani prediction back. It's calling it in dangerous back in 2017. Okay. Uh, we have that one. Then he goes on and he has Keith Knight of Lib uh, um, Don't Tread on Anyone ends up interviewing. He does some crossovers, posts some things to his. And I thought we'd play a quick portion of that interview as well. So, so many things that he's involved with trying to push the message of freedom and non-aggression and free markets. So without any further delay... Here's the interview. All right, I'm on today with Mance Raider. How you doing, Mance? Hey, what's going on? Is uh, is it okay to call you Patrick? Yeah, that's cool. Cool, cool. Yeah, doing well. Day off from work and uh, just hanging out at home. Yeah, yeah, pretty cool. Um, so I first off, I wanted to ask you why you decided to choose the name Mance Raider <laughs> because I think it's genius. Because you have that name recognition already with people, so they'll Google it, and then maybe you'll pop up in the search query. Well, when I – it started as as just something I, – I, I love – he's my favorite character on Game of Thrones. I mean, he's the king beyond the wall, and he's really an anarchist. I mean, he's – the only reason they call him the king is because he's able to negotiate – and he, he's a good negotiator. He can get all these tribes of idiots who want to kill each other together so that they can fight a common enemy. And he's just my, my favorite line is right before they right before they take him out to kill him in the show. Mind you, he's still alive in the books. Um, he, you know, he said, John says, I think you're making a mistake. And man said, all I ever wanted was the freedom to make my own mistakes. Oh, I mean, it's he's. He's just the coolest, you know. He won't bend the knee, you know. I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bend the knee, and um, it, it was sort of just a joke in the beginning, and then after after I did uh, episode three Antifa um, about Antifa, I started someone I started noticing people were trying to dox me. Oh and, yeah, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna stick with this. 
you know, you'll you you can you can you can figure out what city I'm in. I'll put that out there on Twitter and everything. But you know, good luck finding me. And if you find me, bring guns because I got plenty of them. Yeah, same here. I I use a pseudonym as well, and I guess I don't know. Maybe I should have been careful because I did an episode on Antifa with my host uh, this last time, but. Uh, I don't know. I didn't think it was that big of a deal, but my listeners will know you from that episode where I sampled your episode. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. The um, I'm I'm actually um almost halfway done writing a book, and it's really not a book. It, it I'm I'm not gonna say much about what it is. I will say that it is meme centric. Uh, meme centric. I think people will like it a lot, um, but. Yeah, I plan on putting that. I plan Mance Raider is going to be the name of the author on that book, and um, that's I'm I'm planning on sticking with it. You know, I um take take a little inspiration from Michael Malice. I mean, Michael Malice is is a Jew born in the Ukraine. I don't think his name is Michael Malice, and he'll let you know right away that's not his real name. So. Wow. Uh, breaking news here on episode 47. Michael Malice is not really his. Now, I actually didn't know that. I've often wondered. I'm like, it's not very Jewy sounding or Russian sounding. Uh, so, sorry, I introed that one wrong. That wasn't Keith Knight. That was uh, Patrick McFarlane. I didn't know he had a pseudonym as well. All these pseudos coming out to a four. Um, come on. My name is Tyler Yonke. You can Google me. You can, I'm an attorney in Northern California. Uh, you could try to dox me. Eh, talk to my PR or HR department if you don't like it. I run my own firm. My name's on the on the header, so uh, that's not going to get you too far. With that, um, Pete does talk a little bit the next episode uh, or a few episodes after um, to uh, Keith Knight and and talks about his trip to he had taken it to Iceland. I thought that was somewhat of an interesting. Um, I don't know if we can actually find the spot Separate here. It might be a little bit just... um, much to Are there do. Any... On the... There you go cultural political differences that you really see so when i go to california it's so much more commie than in phoenix arizona but i <laughs> want to ask you uh, what in iceland stood out to you if anything well i did a i did a podcast the, i think the day i got back the, the day after i got back asked the title was my trip to iceland the closest to anarchy i've ever been with a question mark and the reason I, I put that there is I got to the airport. It's a 40-minute drive to Reykjavik, the capital. I was staying two minutes outside of Reykjavik. I literally just drove down, this, drove down the street, hung a right, went down a couple blocks, made a turn. I'm in Reykjavik. I was there for 10 days, 11 days. I never saw one police officer ever not even at the airport. And I looked for them to the point where I was, we were, we'd be walking in Reykjavik and we'd see a bakery we wanted to go and we'd go in the bakery, I'd come out and I'd be like, and I'd see someone standing on the corner and I'd look at my wife and I'd say, do you think, you think he's like undercover cop? And <laughs> Okay, uh, interesting. So maybe I'll have to go to uh, Iceland uh, for that. So I kind of wanted to play that, look, get some of these inter early interviews. You can see Pete's uh, early style. And I really, uh, uh, implore you to check out his website, uh, Free Men Beyond the Wall, and go back and check out a lot of these old old interviews shows. Some of them are poignant on you know prediction and kind of the you know, look. 
now they were talking about uh, vaccine passport. Did you expect that? You know, that sounds like a nutty, nutty conspiracy theories come along, but nope, it's coming true. Um, so let's skip forward. Um, he had had, look, in January 2018, he, Pete Mance, um, his show really starts to take off, and episodes 72 through 78 include Scott Horton, Patrick McFarlane, Michael Bolden, uh, not not uh, Bolton, um, uh, Jeff Deist, uh, Rollo McFlugel. I don't know who that, <laughs> that one is, but it's just like a, a litany of back-to-back-to-back. Uh, back back. Um, Jeff Deist is an especially interesting one and, and, and comes down multiple times. He's the president, I think, of uh, the Mises uh, Institute. Um, happened in uh, episode 185. That's when Pete actually becomes Pete, uh, Mance Raider, turns into Pete Raymond, and rather than Mance Raider. And then um, now he's become Pete Quinones. I think that happened. Uh, first one he, he debuted, Pete Quinones, was episode 314 featuring Dave Smith. And let's play a little bit of that. Without any further delay, here is Dave Smith. What's going on, Dave? How you doing? Good, man. Good to be with you, brother. All right, man. Let's talk about this debate. I was there, and um, more importantly, like the day after, and we're probably going to talk more about the podcast than we will about the debate because the debate was very limited um, because of time constraints on what you can mm-hmm. say and everything. But the podcast just blew me away, and I know a lot of other people are um, are commenting on it. Um, hopefully, I can try and expose some of the stuff that was said there and just logical thinking that I think was just missing from the whole thing. But I guess the first thing I wanted to ask you about the debate and can you just repeat the resolution for the debate? Yeah. So the resolution was the Libertarian Party should never again nominate national, uh, put up national candidates with views similar to Gary Johnson and Bill Weld. And I was taking the affirmative and Nick Sarwak was taking the negative. And let me just say before, even before we get into this, just quickly to, to preface, number one, as I said on my show the other day, this is the last time I'm talking about Nick <laughs> Sarwak. This is it. So these are these are my final thoughts. I'm out of the Nick Sarwak business. This whole thing happened because the only reason any of us even know who Nick Sarwak is, even despite the title of being the chairman of the Libertarian Party, is that he was attacking really good people, uh, good friends of mine, good friends of yours, Tom Woods, Jeff Dice, the Mises Institute, you know, all of the Ron Paul, Dan McAdams, all the best people in the liberty movement who have done the most for it. Um, And he challenged Tom Woods to a debate um, and was like, oh, this guy's a coward. He won't debate me. And I went on my show. And I was like, look, because the way this thing works to me is like Tom is a general and I'm his soldier. You know, like that's how I look at my position in the liberty movement um, or, you know, something maybe less of a status analogy. But you, you get what I'm saying. And um, and I said on my show, I was like, dude, like you're not on Tom's level. Like I'll debate you anytime you want. And then Gene was like, hey, you know, Nick said he's down. And I was like, ah. All right, so I, I don't want to spoil it because I think you should go back and actually listen to that. Maybe listen to Dave's interview uh, and and with with Nick. Look, it wasn't the D- Dave. You got to stop saying this is the last I'm going to do this because you end up doing it because you are great at it and you throw yourselves into the the muck. And and when you say you're not on Tom's level, you are. So you know, stop that. Uh, anyway, good interview with there. One, you can start to see the quality comes through. Uh, Obviously, if you just got an into Pete and you don't know the, the older stuff, you know, those things happen. But once again, almost 600 episodes, episodes uh, deep. And there's a lot of a uh, lot of navigating to go through there. Speaking of navigating, episode 493 was navigating the dim age with Vin Armani. He's been on there multiple times. Vin was also recently featured on Thaddeus Russell's. I think that was a really good one. Uh, makes me want to move to Saipan. I think he's going to be on Clint's inter- uh, podcast pretty soon. Um, he interacted with me, Vin did, on uh, Twitter the other day. And you know what? Michael Malice retweeted me, <laughs> me yesterday. Um, get into that later. Uh, n- not in a bad way. Okay, navigating the dim age with uh, Vin Armani. Uh, I think this is really an interesting thing about um, COVID and what he talks about, like not feeling guilt for those suffering. 
Sounds harsh. Because, like, I, I feel a sense of responsibility. I feel a sense of responsibility. But it's like the majority of people are going to suffer. That's what I expect. And um, the reason I'll tell you the reason why I'm shouting it from the rooftop. The reason I'm shouting it from the rooftop is because I know me. And when this suffering kicks in, I'm not going to say I told you so because I'm not that type of person. Right. I've been I've been I've been saying I told you so as the things have happened just to hopefully wake people up. But now this real suffering is starting. I'm not going to say I told you so. I'm not going to gloat in your suffering, but I'm also not going to feel guilty, which I would had I said nothing. I would have lived my whole life thinking, ah, oh, could I have could I have stopped the suffering of one person? Could I have stopped the suffering of one person who matters? And I, it would drive me crazy and I would feel guilty now because I because I'm speaking out about this. I don't have to feel guilty as, as those people suffer and I can just go on with my life. What you were all right beautifully said and uh, that's that's kind of the thing hey you give them a fair warning and people then they have their own autonomy they have their own agency and there's the assumption of the risk which we talked about take a look back i think it was episode eight talk give, give a little breakdown of uh Murray rothbard's uh, ethics of liberty where he discusses the nozick um, minimal state and he breaks down fear the state and assumption of the risk. And I think that's exactly what everyone should have. And if you don't at least, Hey, I'm going to warn you about it. Now that you've been warned, um, you know, deal with it at your own peril. Uh, last one we'll talk about here. He just recently had this guy named uh, legal man as an attorney myself. I really enjoyed this one. They broke down Lysander Spooner's no treason, uh, and little pamphlet that he'd had uh, Lysander Spooner. In case you don't know, he wrote basically that the, the constitution is not binding to us except for maybe those that initially signed it and they break down this thing. And, and this is what I love about Pete. He not only has, you know, interesting just conversations with uh, just strange people sometimes, but uh, really good intellectual thinkers. And um, he goes toe to toe with both the slums it with, you know, hey, come slum it with me or uh, do something with like legal man here. And let's start the first one here is talking about binding. We go. When a man says he's building a house for himself and his posterity, he does not mean to be he does not mean for it to be understood as saying that he has any thought of binding them, nor is it to be inferred that he is so foolish as to imagine that he has any right or power to bind them to live in it. So far as they are concerned, he only means to be understood as saying that his hopes and motives in building it are that they, or at least some of them, may find some happiness to live in it. It cannot be said that the Constitution formed the people of the United States for all time into a corporation. It does not speak of the people as a corporation, but as individuals. A corporation does not describe itself as we, nor as people, nor as ourselves. Well, let me ask you a question. Have corporations been, giving, been given um, human status? Well, I mean, the Supreme Court treats them as, as not humans, but they treat them as an individual. Persons? Yeah, they Pers treat them as Persons an individual. Persons is the legal term, right? Right, exactly. I mean, what the, all these corporations and the people complain so much about, they imagine that the right, the right is, you know, is, is fighting for uh, the corporations and the left is, is fighting for the people. But the reality is corporations are just a creation of the state. There's no such thing as a corporation out in natural law. You're not entitled to operate something where you have no personal liability. Uh, and that's the entire purpose of a corporation is to create this entity that, that puts firewalls up so that you as an individual can do things without liability that if you did them as an individual, you would have liability for. And the only reason any of that's even possible is because there's something called a government that gives this uh, a supposed liability protection to these corporations and this creation of anonymity. and just that, that right there just it shows you the way government is used by the people behind the scenes and why all those people who run government and run it behind the scenes are the same people who run corporations because you don't have corporations these giant multinationals and national corporations without government they're hand in hand they both need each other it's all part of the false dichotomy the fake left right fantasy land that people live in and it's just another exposure as spooner points out right there 
Okay, so I, I thought that was a really interesting portion about uh, talking about uh, the corporations with that and how without the government, you really don't have those. Uh, I hadn't really thought about that. You know, there's the seminal case that they've talked about. Uh, that was the one where Hillary Clinton uh, tried to block someone from uh, putting out a movie, right? Uh, right before the election, the, the Supreme Court came down. I'm trying to remember the case name. Supreme Court came down and basically said, no, corporations are people or persons, and this was that. Okay, uh, next one is voting uh, and consent. Since voting under the Constitution of the United States is not to be taken as evidence that he ever freely assented to the Constitution, even for the time being. Consequently, we have no proof that any very large portion, even of the actual voters of the United States, ever really and voluntarily consented to the Constitution, even for the time being nor can we ever have such proof until every man is left perfectly free to consent or not without thereby subjecting himself or his property to be disturbed or injured by others. Bingo. That's yeah. it. See, that's the uh, move to Somalia deal. Well, that's not an open consent. That's the assumption that the government's valid. You can't put me to a choice of upending myself and leaving or that voting is consent. That doesn't make sense. I have to be completely free that I get to keep where I am. There's no negative consequence. It's no different than any other contract. You can't coerce somebody into agreement. That voids any consent. All consent to any contract, which is ultimately what he's still talking about here, is the idea that it has to be knowing and voluntary. And when something's voluntary, you can't say, well, I've got your wife held hostage over here. Do you want to do it or not? Um, that's not voluntary consent. You can't come to me and say, well, if you vote, then you consent. Well, okay, if I don't vote, have I not consented? Oh no, you're still bound. Okay, so there's no such thing as consent. Consent, you must be able to say no and go on your way. Brilliant, brilliantly said. And if you hadn't really thought about that, uh, it's something to maybe watch. This is episode 520, take a listen to it. They have a good breakdown. Last thing we'll talk about here, the, uh, Lysander Spooner always talks about the high women, which is like the, the word back then for the, the robber um and see what he says on this one about the, uh, what we were just mentioning the proceedings of those robbers and murderers who call themselves the government are directly the opposite of the of these of the single highwaymen in the first place they do not like him make themselves individually known or consequently take upon themselves personally the, the responsibility of their acts on the contrary they secretly and he puts in uh parentheses by secret ballot designate someone of their number to commit the robbery on their behalf while they keep themselves practically concealed. And so that is, good. That is a politician. That is a politician. That's that is who is. people want to vote for. That is pe who people crave to vote for. They right. crave to vote for somebody who is worse than a robber, than a thief, <laughs> than a mob boss. Right. These people who like government, they love proxy violence. They don't want to go do the dirty work themselves. They don't want to do it. They want to hire somebody else to then hire somebody else to do it. And they want to run around and act like their hands are clean. They're not. If you support government, you support proxy violence. All you are is somebody who likes to rob other people who don't want to participate. That's why I detest these people who run around and claim government's doing a great job. It's not. It's just, it's, it's so good. And you know, his, his secret ballot, he discusses the vote and he goes through agency theory and blows that whole thing up with the idea of this secret vote which is what the vote is now you don't even know who voted how they voted and there's no way to count it up so you don't know who's actually representing you and he just shows how agency theories like that they don't work they aren't recognized in the law you can't have an agent who has a secret principle like that it doesn't work except in very very limited circumstances you can't come forward and purport to act on somebody's behalf who you can never find out who you're acting on their behalf of it right Right, right. Beautiful, beautiful. Well done. And so anyway, that's the last one we'll talk about. Uh, Pete Quinones, free man beyond the wall. First man's raider. 
Pete Raymond, now Peter R. Quinones. I think the R might be for Raymond. A uh, little bit of a disclaimer on this. I am a subscriber to Pete's Patreon and to his show. I've given him money. Love it. Um, I have been for quite a while. I'm a fan. I'm a supporter and sometimes a disagreeer. Quite often, actually. Pete is not for everyone, but if you're open to liberally, I think he should be on your list. Um, I have some really specific topics I'd like to talk to Pete about sometime, and maybe he, you know, he's drifted around them lately, which is uh, uh, the NAP, the NAP, non-aggression principle. Uh, some of it is religion and Waco, and I think all three of those uh, coming together. He's done some really great work on Waco, Oklahoma City, uh, Ruby Ridge, um, and, and I think you know, I, for me, I would like to really kind of talk to him and, and drill down as to what he's thinking on the NAP. I know he's referenced some things out there, but I just have some personal questions. Pete is a thinker. Um, I think he's maybe he's a philosopher, but yet he's a common guy. He's the exact type of person that I have grown to love and admire over the years and that we, I think we need more of in the Liberty movement. He's brash. He might not be for you, but when the chips are down, when the Russians are taking your town and they're yelling wolverines up in the mountains in the Colorado hills, Pete is likely the guy that you want at your side. So with that said, should this show be in your rotation of uh, Liberty podcasts? Absolutely. There's always an entertaining thing there. Look, he puts out enough of them that uh, find that one you like, listen to it, uh, be entertained, argue with them in your mind. You're just not gonna be able to argue with him on Twitter because Pete, Pete's not on Twitter anymore. <laughs> He's been blown out of Twitter. He's not able to be there. Uh, so, um, you know, he, he's, uh, he's been ostracized in that way. I think we find him on MeWe. I don't think he's on Facebook anymore. Like I said, if you join his Patreon, you're going to get a little bit of an inner connection. Find him on Substack. He does have a great Substack. And with that, I appreciate everybody. This has been episode 10 of the Libertarian Podcast Review. Pete, come on the show. Let's have a discussion. Let's talk about the nap religion in Waco. I know you have a lot to say about all those things. So thank you for checking us out. Go ahead and leave us a little comment, maybe uh, write a little review, subscribe to us, share the show if you think that is also what you'd like. Thank you.